we uh, heard from Tammy last night, and it was quite impactful, and uh, I feel like God did some healing here last night and moved on us. So just briefly, if you're visiting for the first time today, um, I met Tammy, my wife and I met Tammy probably close to 10 years ago at one of our conferences, and we've kind of stayed in contact off and on through the years, but she's just, um, I know it changed our lives when we attended her conference some time back, and uh, I feel like Tammy is just a dynamic speaker. Um, she's a mother. She's a uh, licensed counselor. She has a, her degree in psychology, she's a PhD. She's married to Pastor Mike, who pastors at Dublin, uh, Vista, Vista in Dublin. And uh, she has two sons, 18 and 20. And uh, she just, and she travels around the country um, doing conferences and speaking God's truth and word. And uh, I find just that she's like, to me, she's a woman's after, after God's own heart. And um, so I think you're going to find yourself very blessed by her today. And um, I pray you receive. I pray she empowers you to uh, use tools to make the change. That's enough. <laughs> Welcome her. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, my friends in the awesome uh, sound and AV and multimedia booth, could you take that one down? Could you remove the sun? Thank you. Good morning. Speaking of the sun, isn't it great that it's out this morning? Oh, so good, so good. Um, so as you pull out your outlines and, and get where we were last evening, a couple of things that I'm just so excited to start off this morning with. The first one is, you know, last night how I was uh, being honest with you that I was a little overwhelmed at how much the sense that I had was that God wanted you to know his pleasure over you, and I sort of awkwardly bumbled around trying to tell you that. <laughs> it was so great. This morning, the Lord was like, you could have just told him Zephaniah 317. I'm like, that's right, Lord. So this morning, would you receive this word from the Lord? That the Lord your God is with you. He's mighty to save. He'll take great delight in you. <laughs> he will quiet you with his love. And he will rejoice over you with singing. That's right. God's singing over you right now. <laughs> Mine's a rap song, in case you were wondering. Just kidding. So would you receive that this morning about his pleasure over you, that, that the you that he has made you to be is a delightful, delightful uh, experience to his own heart. He takes great delight in the you that he has made you to be. Isn't that good news this morning? And so as we, you know, as we get started, I would love to, because uh, a couple of you even shared last night a couple of the things that you felt like that, that God wanted you to grab. Would you be willing to just throw out uh, a verse, an idea, something God brought to mind, something that you know you needed to hold on to from our awesome time together last evening? Go ahead. A scripture, an idea, a focal point. That he is our anchor. And I love it. Another friend uh, told me about, it's like what he brought to mind was the things that we try to anchor ourselves in other than him. Isn't that so true? And I think I did a not great job last night of tying that together with our soul questions. You see, when we take our soul questions horizontally, so to speak, to people and to circumstances, we are setting ourselves and those people and circumstances up for failure. 
And so this is what it is to try to be anchored to something that is not a real anchor. Because people are just as fickle as we are. Amen? We're all fickle. You know, it's true. We all are ever-changing. And the other thing that I wanted to make sure that we connected, so this idea of being anchored, not taking our soul questions horizontally to people and to circumstances, you know how that goes. If circumstances are good, I'm good. If circumstances are bad, I'm bad. That is not what it is to be anchored in Christ. That is not the abundant life, correct? And so that when we take our soul questions horizontally to people and circumstances looking for them to anchor us, those are false hopes. So last night we talked about seeing through a lens of faith, that there's a kind of seeing that God wants us to do that's captured in verses like 1 Samuel 16, 7, man looks at the what? Uh, man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. 2 Corinthians 4, 18, absolutely straight up tells us, you focus on that which is unseen. Because what's seen is temporary. That there's a way of seeing, remember we talked about in the parable of the sower, that, that there's a certain sense in which we can be ever seeing but never perceiving. This is not what we want. We want our soil to be fresh, to absolutely allow the word of God to not just go in, but to change us. And so false hopes are the places that we take our soul questions and our longings that every one of us in this room has, and we put them in some place that is not a true anchor. So that's awesome. Thank you so much. Who else? What else did you garner, grab from last evening that you know you need to hold on to? Everyone we know is grappling with grief. And I hope that there was a, d a deeper sort of understanding or revelation or, uh, for you about grief because so often we tie grief with things like just, you know, outward expression of emotion and we tie grief with, with physical death only. And the reality is we encounter little tiny deaths from being in, remember chapters 4, 5, and 6? <laughs> from being in chapters 4, 5, and 6 every day. I don't want you to disappoint me. And yet, shoot, some days you're going to disappoint me. I don't want myself to be disappointing to myself. We even know what that's like, right? We can't think a good thought for about a half hour on our own. Amen? All it takes is for somebody to cut us off in traffic, and am I even a Christian, you know? We're all desperate without Jesus, and this side of seeing him face to face, we have to grapple with this flesh righteousness sort of uh, reality that is ours until we see him face to face. What else did you grab from last evening? Yeah. Let's go! <laughs> so there's a couple over here, and she just said that I tried to find something last evening, and um, the masterpiece sitting beside her said that he had put it away, and she said, well, you're a masterpiece then. <laughs> That's so great. That's so great. Anything else? That's Ephesians 2.10 that we're talking about, that each one of us is specifically designed by God for purposes that God has prepared in advance for us to do. That the way that this person is, you know, despite their sin, is God's creation. It's God's fault, so to speak. Love it. Anything else? Yeah. Oh, greater understanding for how to see from the eyes of our heart. It changes everything. And I dare say it can change it in an instant. And so what I'm begging of you and so thankful to be with people like you that are here saying yes to that work of God, but I beg of you, get there before life forces you there. There was a woman in a local church who sent me an email um, after she had come to a conference and she was 
struggling with her marriage and she said I think I'm about done um, for a variety of reasons and you know two small children and a husband they had gotten they'd come to faith together um, and their faith journeys had been different as all, all of ours are and she said I think I'm done so she emailed that to me and then three weeks later I got an email that said my perspective is totally changed. I have completely and totally different eyes. What do you think happened? She said, I know, I, my husband is a gift. I can't believe I get him. I can't believe how poorly I was seeing him. What do you think happened? He was in a fire. And he was almost burned to death. She came this, that close to losing him. That'll shift our eyes. Right? So, you people who are saying yes to God this morning, I'm so excited that you're going you're gonna to say yes to that before life shows you that. Right? So, thank you for being here this morning. And as we begin, I also had the sense that uh, a passage that I knew that we were to be oriented uh, to this whole weekend together is Philippians 2, 1 through 12. So, would you receive again just to God whatever you want to say to us through it? My friends, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead made himself nothing. Taking the very form of a servant, being found in human likeness, and being made an appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God gave him the name that is above every name and exalted him to the highest place. <laughs> that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. <laughs> and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. May that be how he uses every minute that we have this morning to transform us into that space of being more like Jesus. Amen? Yeah. So last night we talked about seeing, seeing from the heart, uh, the way in which God wants us to see through a lens of faith, all of our life for sure, but certainly the people that he has given us. Then we talked about hope, that hope is, is tied to our inheritance, is tied to that which is invisible, is tied to that which is to come. And so we began an acrostic that we want to see H, and H was what? When we look at people in our relationships, we want to see heart. We want to see heart. And what were the things that it was like, okay, as we look beyond physical appearance and beyond whatever external presentation, somebody brings, what are the things that we remember immediately as we look to the heart of all mankind? That everyone has, 
Everyone is created with longings to do what? To feel special, to feel valuable, to feel worthwhile, to feel impactful, to feel important, to feel comforted, to feel attractive, to feel uh, valuable, correct? Everyone's heart. Everyone in your life has those same longings. What's another thing that we were saying will happen as we look beyond external presentation and look to heart? What's the other thing that we immediately see? That they're God, yeah, they have a purpose. God made them that way on purpose. Ephesians 2.10, they're God's workmanship. And then the third thing, our sister said it earlier, is that everyone is also grappling with some form of grief. Even that alone will transform how we see one another, correct? But there is a, a critical element in our seeing beyond, in our seeing what is unseen, that if we can continue to develop by faith, it will change not only our relationships significantly, but everything about our lives. And it's the next letter in the acrostic. Seeing opposition. So that's your O, seeing opposition. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4. you can help me remember, it says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the knowledge of Christ. Did you hear what the first part of that, that verse was? That there's a small g God of this age. And essentially what we see, the process there that's happening, is the small g God of this age is working to do what? You got it. You guys are listening well. That's great. To blind minds. To, to, I mean, if we just extrapolate it, to mess with people's minds. It's working to blind the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see God's goodness. This is a process going on with the small g God of this age. There's a small g God of this age, the time in which we now live, working to keep people from seeing Christ by blinding their minds once again. It doesn't say by blinding their eyesight. <laughs> Blinding their minds. Okay? In Luke 4 and 5, when Satan himself claimed that the kingdoms of this world belonged to him in the temptation of Jesus, did you notice Jesus didn't counter him? James said friendship with this world equals enmity, I can't say that word. Am I saying it right? Enmity, en -em. God and I aren't getting along, that's what it means. <laughs> that's in James 4.4. 4. And even Jesus, even Jesus in John 14.13 called Satan the prince or the ruler of this world. Do you see what's going down? The place that our flesh has to reside until we are delivered from chapters four, five, and six into the eternity that we were created for, there's a significant force at work under the rulership of one that is anti our beautiful savior. So my question to you is, where did you think? Okay, let me back up because that's gonna sound real, I don't know, something. Remember we talked about how many of you in this room have struggled with relationships, right? How many of you have had a struggle in a relationship this past year? <laughs> how many hands went up? <laughs> they did. <laughs> and we talked about how it's like when we meet somebody, we're so excited to just develop a new friendship or have a new uh, work partnership or have a new relationship in some form or fashion. <laughs> we're so excited. And then what happens? 
we run into their brokenness, a.k.a. we get disappointed somehow. That whole process, here's my question. Where did we think all this opposition was coming from? Those of you who are married or have been married, isn't it hard? It's so hard. I, told, I said last night, Mike and I, you know, 31 years together, 26 years married, and dang, dang, it's not really easier than it was year one. It's not about. Well, it's tied to the truths of where we live and what God is telling us very plainly over and over again about this time that we live in. So to see opposition, we have to know that each and every one, sorry, the blank, the word got truncated, each and every one struggles. So in your blank, you got to finish the word every and write one, <laughs> and then struggles. In their spirit with lies about self, others, and God. Look at John 10, 9 and 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come to them, I have life and have it to the full. <sighs> Before he promised us life, which this is the, the passage from which many versions are translated the abundant life. So before he promised us the abundant life, Jesus warned that a thief was going to try to steal, kill, and destroy. So why is it so hard for us to keep remembering that there's a thief trying to steal, kill, and destroy? Because <laughs> he's good at it. Well, this is his domain, the God of this age, blinding minds. Are you tracking with me? It's not just, Jesus said, steal, kill, destroy. Jesus doesn't say bother you a little bit, kind of try to mess things up in your life somewhat, kind of try to make you like weak in your faith. No, evil's like Pac-Man looking to just destroy, absolutely consume every part of your faith, every part of your faith. And how many of us in this room, and I... I hate the statistic, have known people that have loved God and have even been leaders to them, and where are they now? Where are they? What happened? What happened is what Jesus said. But there's a pernicious enemy all of the days that we take breath on planet Earth looking to steal, kill, and destroy your faith. So why is it so hard for us to hold on to the fact that God is good? There's direct opposition to us holding on to that fact. Why is it so hard for us to keep our eyes focused on the heart of man and to see their heart instead of their appearance? Well, because there's one who wants you to look at their appearance, who wants you to make worldly conclusions, who wants to destroy that relationship, who wants to destroy any Godward movement in your life whatsoever. Why is it so hard for you to read the Bible when you're like, I love the Bible. I love the Bible. I love you, God. I want to spend time with you, and I haven't in 72 days. What? what? What's that about? Do you see? There's an act of opposition to you moving forward in the things of God. Do you know how that happens for you? I think God's given us some amazing clues in his word. And I know some of you, uh, if you've gone through the soul healing work, uh, you can help me. If I'm missing stuff, just free to shout it out. Feel free to shout it out. In 1 Peter 5.8, the scripture says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to... Oh, you know it. That's good. It doesn't say looking for someone to annoy a bit. Even wants to take you down. I mean, that picture, God's given us quite a picture there. 
prowls around like a roaring lion. I'm not a National Geographic girl, but have you noticed in those National Geographic like documentaries, where is the lion? You can't see it until what? Boom, it's pouncing on the weakest one, the most vulnerable one. I mean, isn't just the truth you know this about your life? <laughs> when one difficult thing happens or when you start to struggle in one way, it's like dominoes, right? Like everything breaks, everything goes bad. You know, they say bad things happen in threes. It's pretty funny how that happens in certain places. And it's because evil's like watching, just like that lion, waiting, waiting to do what? Boom, pounce on you. And that's because in Ephesians 6, 11, and what's the other verse? I think it's, uh, no, 2 Corinthians 2, 11, they both talk about evil having schemes, that there are schemes of the devil. In Ephesians, it says, I don't want you to be unwise about the devil's schemes. That's a scheme. Lying in wait until you're most vulnerable, until you're paying the least attention, until you're least connected to God, until you're least connected to the body of Christ, and then boom, it's on. All of a sudden, you're going to be questioning things you've never questioned for years. You're going to be seeing people in ways that, I mean, they used to be your best friend, now you just despise them. What do you think is going on? This is what that process looks like. And all the more if you are pressing into the things of God. Let's say you've had a small group that you've been with, and it's a great group. You feel God's love. It's a great community. And, you know, it's been really good to do meals and stuff together and to share Bible studies and stuff together. But then someone's marriage starts to struggle, and you guys start getting real about all the rest of your marriages, or you start getting real about all the rest of your addictive tendencies, and you start getting real in that group, and it starts to go to a whole other level. Hey, do not, do not be surprised that right then, you're going to start having thoughts and feelings about the person next to you that you haven't had ever in that group before. What do you think is going on, you see? Steal, kill, destroy, devour your belief that God is good, that you have any part in his purpose, that God is faithful, that God is bigger, that his plan is coming to fruition. Anything evil can steal and kill and destroy will go after all of those beliefs. Ephesians 6.12 tells us straight up about this. And for our relationships, this is why the O of seeing hope, the O in ho hope is critical because this verse tells us straight up. Oh, I'm so excited. Ephesians 6.12 says this. For our struggle or battle is not against, do you know it? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities and forces of darkness in the unseen spiritual places. Our truest struggle is never with another human. It's never with another human. Are you with me? And anytime evil can get us like focused on it, why does he do that? Why is she like that? Why do, ugh, he always does that. She never does that. Anytime evil can get us to that place, we're like spinning like a top, and we are becoming very weak in terms of being a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Because why? Because we're fighting the wrong battle. We're fighting the wrong battle. Yes. The broken one that you are having a relationship with, whether that is a sister or a spouse or an extended family member, or a co-worker, or a neighbor, or a lifetime friend. It doesn't matter who this one is and who you are. Remember this side of heaven, 
this one's broken, and this one's broken. And so in between, is gonna ha- there's going to be some struggle. And so when that struggle happens, who is at work? Evil. Trying to do what? To get you to take this struggle and make conclusions about God. To get you to take this difficulty and conclude things about yourself and conclude things about them. And absolutely agree with all sorts of hellish suggestions that do nothing but just weaken your heart, dampen your faith, and kill the faith, love, and joy that he's given you. You see? This is what's going on all the time. So I like to just do this because it's helpful. Can you just name the categories of flesh and blood that there are, please? Who is flesh and blood? Your neighbor, your family, your boss, your spouse, your kids, your coworkers. People on the highways, preach, brother. (laughs) Who else? Your friends, your parents, your abuser. The one who betrayed you so. You know who else is flesh and blood? You are. Anytime evil can get you focused on him, her, them, what they did, and you are ruminating like we do. You know how you rehearse the conversations both before and after? Are you one of those people that's like me? It's like, oh, I'm so not good in the moment, but I could have said these 17 things. It would have been so cool to say if I could just replay that in my mind. (laughs) Oh, none of you do that? Okay, great. Um, Anytime evil can get us ruminating, obsessing, playing over and over again the this and the that and how they this and they this and they that, all of a sudden we're, fall, we're getting in that trap. And also, if evil can get you looking in a mirror going, you're so dumb, you're so stupid. Why'd you say that? You're such an idiot, Tammy. You're such an idiot, John. You are so not enough. Directly in contrast to your soul questions, oh, evil will love to have you fighting the flesh and blood that is you. And anytime evil can get you fighting yourself, evil's like, I don't have to worry about that one. They're going to be fighting themselves in depression for the next 20 years, in self-hatred, self-abuse for the next five. They're no threat because they're fighting flesh and blood. And this is going on all the time. And if any of you have ever heard me share before, I always share this because this particular passage changed my life, Revelations 12, 10 through 12. Is it okay if I speak it? Are you awake enough? Are you good? Come on, let's go. Okay, it's a picture of the end times, which is awesome. For now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Here it is. For the accuser of the brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down, cast down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Let's go. All right, can I say it again? And then I would just love to just parse it apart with you. 
so that you can grab onto what God wants you to grab onto for that passage. For now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Yes. For the accuser of the brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I know, let's cheer or something. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and so do you see? Do you see the transition here was this one who's looking to steal, kill, and destroy, who is prowling after us, looking to devour our faith in every way, shape, or form, is doing it how often? Thank you. Day and night, the passage says. The verse says, changed my life. Do you ever wonder why you dream some of the dreams you do? I mean, you freak out. You're like, jeez, I don't think that in my daily life. What the hell? What's that? Well, if he can't get you in your waking, he'll get you in your sleep. Through what? Well, the scripture also uses a word that's was revelatory for me. Accusation. What does accusation sound like? What is accusation? It's highly personal. It takes intimate knowledge about you and right back at you. Oh, Tammy. You think you're so awesome to be up there talking to those people. You didn't have a proper time alone with the Lord this morning. What makes you think he's going to empower your words today? You're such a fraud. That would be real time. Because it's 24-7. What's happening in the space of your spirit where the evil one is trying to come up against you right now? Steal, kill, and destroy your faith. Would you be able to identify it? Accusation is highly personal. Oh, you think you're such a great Christian and everything. You know you're sitting here with no intention to change your relationship. You're just here to save face. Oh, you want to be like a, you want to be seen in the church as a leader. If they only knew the clickbait that you normally go to, you'd be kicked out. Nobody would want to even sit near you today. Can you feel the hell in that as I explicate it? Can you? This is what's happening in the place of our spirits because remember we are more spirit than we are physical being. Right? And in the spiritual realm, our battle's not against flesh and blood but against the powers and principalities and forces of darkness in the unseen spiritual places. There is a spiritual realm we are finite, we will never know how it works, but in the spiritual realm where your spirit is participating because you're a spirit as well so is evil. And so is the mighty one to save, by the way. Are you with me? And so in the place of your spirit, 24-7, all the time, evil is looking to steal, kill, and destroy your faith. And that's why it's so hard for you to hang on to the truths of God unless you begin to be skilled at identifying and parsing apart, that is not the voice of my Savior. And by the way, is that what you'd want to say to yourself? It's not. You wouldn't turn to the person next to you and say, you're such a loser Christian. You wouldn't do it. But you've done it probably to yourself in some form or fashion this week. Am I right? And so the reality is, did you not? You, this is huge. You might not realize that's not your own voice. You don't actually hate your best friend. You don't actually are disgusted by your spouse right now. You're not actually those things. Well, the problem is that you do have a sin nature that is easy to capitalize on that way. And evil's like looking to feed that and be like, let's go. Let's divide. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to 
uh, very quickly because you promised me that you were wide awake. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm going to read a list of lies that are very common uh, that evil's trying to tell us in the place of our spirit. Because evil's a liar, he was a liar from the beginning, and he continues to lie. That's what John 8:44 says. His native language is lies. By the way, Colossians 1.22 is beautiful. It says that because of Jesus, we are free from blemish. He's presenting us to God. Faultless, free from blemish. Again, Romans 8.1, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And free from accusation. And I was like, oh, Jesus for the win. I just love that he uses that word again. You know, God could have just said lie in Scripture. I think it's so absolutely instructive that he used the word in Revelations 12.10, Zechariah 3.1, and first, uh, Colossians 1.22, the word accusation specifically to help us understand that the highly personal nature of it. Yeah, you, yeah, remember what you did when you were in high school? You'll never be above that. This is what evil is doing. It's like looking at your history and going, oh, yeah, let's pull out this one here. And I'm going to use that one because that's most personal. That's accusation. Does that make sense? Okay, so here's a list of lies, common, that evil's trying to steal, kill, and destroy our faith through. There's nothing special about me. I'm fat, unattractive, not smart. I'm not worth anyone's time. I'll never be free. I'm not good enough. I'm not as spiritual as others, so I'm not going to apply, try, join, or reach out in any way. God can't use me. Others are more valuable than me. People are all self-centered. God is not fair. My efforts won't do any good. I'm a failure. I have struggles and sins that no one else does. There's no use trying. The Bible's full of contradictions. I'll never succeed. No one will ever love me for me. I'll never be as good as him or her. I'm dirty. People can't be trusted. I don't have what it takes. I can't be forgiven for that. God doesn't love me like others. It's not worth it. It's too late. I have nothing unique to offer. God doesn't make sense. The Bible doesn't apply to today. Have you ever heard of any of that hellishness? How many of you have heard some version of that in your spirit even this day? Right? 24-7, right now. So I felt compelled. Um, there was a group that I spent some time with a couple of years ago, and uh, it was men and women, big group. And so I just had them uh, uh, tell me common lies that they hear. So are you good to be able to listen to this? This is what the men said. These are some of their lies that were common to them. My worth is found in what I am, not whose I am. These are men, actual men, just like you, unprompted, who put these forward. I'm not respected. It's okay to look. I'm not an emotional person. If I have more things, then I'll feel better. Nothing I ever do is good enough. If nobody finds out, nobody gets hurt. I can handle temptation. This is, good. this is as good as my marriage can be. Dabbling in sexual fantasy doesn't hurt anybody. It isn't that bad. It's not like I'm killing someone. It's the woman's job to raise and parent the kids. Because of my own stuff, I don't have much to offer my family or my church. I don't need other men in my life. I'm sorry, I added the wasn't actually written on the piece of paper. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. I need more stuff. It's not okay to be satisfied with what I have. I have to pave my own way. 
I am more of a man if I can get more women. To be a man, I have to wear the pants. Don't you appreciate those men disclosing those lies that they regularly and routinely hear? Here were some of the ones that the women listed. I'm fat, ugly, and annoying. I'm too sensitive. I married the wrong person and I'm stuck for life. Once I get married, I'm going to feel fulfilled. My emotions are always consistent with the truth. I don't do enough. I just don't have time to spend in God's word and growing with him. He understands that my life is busy. God's love is based on what I do rather than who I am in him. God is not present in my struggles. I'm not good enough because compared to her, I'm blank. Getting the latest things in fashion and home decor are going to make me feel better. My success as a person is dependent upon my children's accomplishments. I have nothing to offer the world since my children are grown and I am no longer a needed mother. This is just the way life is going to be from now on. I'm not who they think I am. I can take care of myself. Something's going to happen to my kids. I don't have anything valuable to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. My butt is big. <laughs> I'm full of shame. If anybody knew the real me or what I have done, they would hate me. Nobody cares. I am alone. Things will never change if people only knew. How come she's talking to her and not me? I'm a burden. They're just feeling sorry for me. I'm too old. They're looking at my wrinkles. I'm not, I was not a good mother. I was not a good wife. Anything I ever got is because I was pretty and people were just using me. They can pray better than me. They are just being nice. They don't really mean it. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not worth it. My husband, boyfriend, best, best friend is supposed to make me happy. If I feel something, it must be true. It's my job to keep everything together. Things will never change. It'll always be this way. My circumstances determine my happiness. I'll never be as good as blank. I'm a bad mother. How do you feel? Say it again. Buried? Yeah. Right? That is what hell exactly wants to do. To bury you. To so cover you. To so weigh you down. To so lie to you over and over and over again that you become like a person blanketed, blanketed, so that the obvious glory of God from this workmanship that he made is so occluded that nobody can even see or hear the glory of God through the you that is beautiful because you are buried by hellishness like this. So my question, wise ones and beautiful workmanships of God, do you know, can you recognize what are the primary lies that you are offered on a regular basis? You realize I, I said it that way. You're offered them. You don't have to struggle with them. You struggle with them when you grab it and you then repeat it. Then it becomes your own voice and we're in real trouble. Right? So would you take out that little piece of paper, the blank one that they gave you? 
And would you be willing to write down what is one lie that evil tries to throw you about you on a regular basis? What is one lie that you struggle with quite regularly? What is one lie that maybe until this very moment you did not realize that is the power of hell trying to speak this over my life and no more? (laughs) No more. It's not the truth about me. It's not the truth about my Jesus and what he has done for me. So write it down, and and we're going to go around and collect them. Pass them to the end of your aisle. Fold it up, of course, when you're done. What's one lie you heard that you were like, oh, my word, I never realized that was a lie? Or one lie that you know, yeah. About a million times a day I hear this in in my spirit. I want to have grace and I want to extend a special warm welcome and hello to those of you that are internal processors and you're like, I can't even think about that right now. And I want to say, you can pass it in later. (laughs) Or maybe you've never even understood this concept. So while we're doing that, I'm going to ask a couple people to come up. Um, Clay, will you come here? And Garnetta, will you come here? Just keep, yeah, just collect them. Yeah, you're great. Everybody say, Garnetta, will you come up? Everybody say, hey to Clay. Hey to Garnetta. These two have never met. So I want you to know that what's going on in, in every relationship is that evil is looking to divide. Every relationship, evil is looking to divide. Evil is looking to divide. And it is this process, and I was just this morning thinking, Lord, how can we illustrate this a little bit? So I thought that I would just have two people who have never met each other have like a normal conversation. And I just want to, in a very poor fashion, I'm certain, but just, just to give us a visual for, this is actually what's going on. If we look at the scriptures that we've just looked at, this is actually what's going on in the places of our spirits as we're having conversations. So go ahead, you two. Say hi to one another. Oh, you guys, that's right, you can't hear. Is there a mic that, is there a mic that we can use? Tim, can they use, uh, Bill, can we use yours? Yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much. Check, check. One's on. Do I need to turn it on? Yes, I do. There we go. Okay, you can go back and forth. Or you can just put it in between you. That's great. Just get close up. Okay, introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Clay Acker. I'm Garnett Olivia. Oh, I'm sorry, I meant to one another. Oh, <laughs> hey, hey, good, good to meet you again. Good to meet How are you, you doing today? You're so I'm awkward. Good. How are you? Thank you. You're so awkward. Thank you so. And uh, you actually don't like people that look like him. <laughs> what do you do? What do you got going on this weekend? Not a whole lot here at the conference. Just getting more of God. Okay, you're totally faking it because you haven't even had a quiet time this week. What do you mean, get more of God? So you're a Buckeyes fan? I am a Buckeye fan. Okay. Yeah, I went to Ohio State. Okay, really? you went to Ohio State. You're trying to take pride in something. Like you almost flunked out, dude. So what'd you major in? <laughs> what'd you major in? Majored in finance. Uh, oh, oh, wait, put that out there like some rich dude or something, like knows everything that's going on. That's a heavy-duty heavy major. Oh, yeah, he's tough. so much better than tough. you, and he's trying to let you know he is so much better than you. Can't you see him puffing up like a big peacock right now? Where did you go to school? I went to Bennett College in North Carolina. Yeah, right, that's so like, weird. <laughs> it's not even a real college. It's a, it's a were, you, were you on the beach the whole time? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> That's right. More of that. Keep going, brother. 
Okay, so you can see, like even though that's more lighthearted, you understand. Let's say that we're talking about having to come to a decision about carpeting in a new building. <laughs> Evil's just gonna look, it doesn't matter what it's about, let alone issues of the heart. Hey, how can I pray for you? Can't you just feel the voice of hell, like literally on you, like, don't you go there, don't you share that, last time you did it burned you, man, you can't trust people, remember, you can't trust people, you understand that the voice of hell is like, the minute we start moving towards life and towards living in God's truth, the voice of hell is right there, not wanting you to extend, wanting you to shut down, wanting you to distrust. And it's literally in our ears, in the place of our spirit, all the time. So think about your most vulnerable, your toughest conversations, even conversations about faith. I pray today, as you see the opposition in your relationships, that it begins to change everything about how you interact. My poor husband's been going through it. Man, I just feel like he is getting like, I can almost see him getting beaten this past like six months. And, and you know what it's like to live with somebody who's getting beaten up? It's, it's tough. And I've had times where I can't hold on to the word of God for extended periods of time at all. And the reality is it's hard to live with me in those spaces. I know that. I know I'm hard to live with and I'm not rooted in God's truth. Do you know you're hard to live with when you're not rooted in God's truth? Do you know? Do you know? And the reality is to be able to see, oh, that's right, there's an evil one looking to steal, kill, and destroy my faith and to come between us. So it doesn't matter if this is like, what are we going to do about uh, moving? What are we, let's say these two are in a relationship of some sort and they have to make a decision together. This is exactly where evil wants this thing to be. I don't care if it's about carpet. I don't care if it's about if an argument you had. I don't care if it's about how you're parenting your children. I don't care if it's about what church you want to attend. Evil's looking for this thing to literally be in between you. You understand? Every time we have a, a disagreement with our spouse, evil's like, I want to get the thing in between you two. What is our job as believers? Our job as believers is to unite together and get the thing out here. Look at that! Let's go! Get the thing out here and talk about it this way. To get it out here and talk about it this way. We are united against the evil looking to try to divide us. So I don't care if it's about carpet. I don't care if it's about your church. I don't care if it's about sensitive issues, about how come you keep saying that phrase to me when I ask you not to say that phrase to me. You know what I mean? It still has to be out here where you're looking at it together going, we gotta, we gotta figure this out because we're gonna be taken down through this. We're in trouble if we don't get it out here. But evil always wants you, and it doesn't matter, evil always wants you to put it in between you two and have it be in between you two. Are you tracking? Thank you guys so much. Thank you, thank you. Let's give him a hand. We gotta remember one of the greatest phrases to remind us of our griefs, to remind us that the evil one is constantly embattling everyone we know, is that hurt people hurt people, and that everyone on the planet is wounded. That's your next blank. That's part of the grief, folks. It's part of the grief. And so I don't talk about wounds because I have a psychology degree, because I also have a Bible degree. I talk about wounds because this is the fodder place from which evil likes to get the fodder that most quote-unquote works against us. Did you understand what I just said? So what lie works for me is not going to work for, what's your name? It's not going to work for Mike. The lie that works to take me down, to take me to dark places is not going to work for Mike because our wounds are different. So I mentioned last evening about the disintegration of my family with the departure of my mom, right? 
Those, that's going to be the fertile place from which evil wants to lie to me over and over again. So you tell me, a child whose uh, mom has left before she has the capacity for abstract thought to be able to, before the child has the capacity for abstract thought and to be able to process that a, on a, a deeper level, what's that child going to conclude? What does evil want that child to conclude? It's your fault, absolutely. What else? Say it again. You're not wanted. You're unworthy. Not important enough. If you were important enough, if you were worthy enough, if you were wanted enough, this thing wouldn't have happened. She wouldn't have bolted. You know, there's a phrase that says a child only a mother could love. So stick it in reverse. Oh, wait. If my mom can't even stay. Right? And evil's like, every day of my life looking to pound you're so unlovable Tammy you're so annoying you're so in the way you're so unlovable you're so unlovable and I know that's not the truth but I'm telling you it's a very weak place in the wall so to speak if there's a huge brick wall right here huge brick wall and uh, an enemy is looking to try to get through what do you think the enemy's going to do haphazardly just start pummeling the thing Oh, no, no. The enemy is going to go and push on the bricks. Just push on them, push on them, push on them until this one's loose right here. And then kaboom, boom, in this hole right over and over again. In the weak place in the wall. What's your weak place in the wall because of your wounds? What's your weak place in the wall? I don't have any trouble uh, with lies in the area of being ineffective or being dumb or being like, you know, but you talk about lovability, you talk about annoying, you talk about, oh yeah, evil just going to go right there every time, in the way, kind of a pain. After my mom left, I started sitting behind, behind in the corner, chairs when people would come. This thing right here in the corner, what does that tell you about the power of the lies of hell? Right? So what are your wounds? And the only reason we pay attention to that is so that you can walk wisely and go, that's not the voice of my Savior. I hear you. I see you. And it's usually not a happy experience like this, by the way. It's usually like, oh, God. No, God, I hate that. It's so hard for me to bear up under it. I hate that voice. I hate it. Here it is again, and I feel it, and you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it. It doesn't matter. That's still the voice of hell. You still need to, James 4, 8, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. It doesn't say know the schemes of the devil. It doesn't say know about the devil. It doesn't say be able to preach about the devil. It says what? Thank you. Resist. Resist. And this has to happen together in our relationships. I don't care if you're a friend. I don't care if you are a married couple. All right, so there's a lot more that we could talk about about wounds, and it's hard for me not to take the uh, bait to want to do that, but we have to keep moving. So since the garden, everyone is baited to feel shame. Remember what Adam and Eve immediately experienced when their brokenness was in play. Remember it? They felt exposed and they tried to cover it. They had been naked and unashamed, <laughs> whatever that is, okay? And now they were covered and it's implied feeling shame. See, I love this definition by Kurt Thompson and he's written a book on it and he has integrated the truths of God with the concept of shame, even biologically speaking. It's phenomenal work. It's a little tough to get through, but it's incredible. Uh, he says this, shame is a slight or robust impression that, should we put words to it, which is hard, would declare some version of, uh, I'm not enough, uh, there's something wrong with me, I'm, I'm kind of, 
I'm bad, I don't matter. Something, something's like uniquely defective about me. I'm kind of more, to use vernacular, jacked up than other people. Yeah. Right? That's what shame is. Shame is something we all experience at some level, more consciously for some than for others. And of course, there are the obvious examples that come to mind, times we have felt everything from slight embarrassment to deep humiliation. It hides in sentences like, I'm not thin enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not funny enough. Just like the serpent did in the garden, which is, you know, hell itself, we must see that evil wants to pull on us and make us feel ashamed for being a screw-up, for not being good enough, for being different or defective somehow from everyone else in this room. It's a ploy of hell. Okay. So, because of this dynamic where evil in the place of our spirits is lying to us 24-7 and evil is constantly pulling us towards shame, The lie is this, that our hurt, our loss, our betrayal, our difficulty is something we feel that other people just do not understand and that ours is somehow worse or greater or more reprehensible than others. That is a lie. And I want right now for it to be gone forever. So what we're going to do is we're going to quick, quick, everybody grab a writing utensil and we're going to pass out another piece of paper. It's paper day here. I'm going to pass out another piece of paper and listen carefully. So do you have a writing utensil? And I would suggest uh, for your benefit that it be either a pencil or a blue or a black pen in some form or fashion. If you want to have pink ink, that's okay, but you might not want that. <laughs> and we're going to get a list. Please turn it over when you are given. Don't look at it yet, so have it face down on your lap. And when you get this, I want you to be thinking about that lie. And even right now, how does evil try to bait you towards feeling? You're different somehow. You're more messed up. You're less worthy. You're more reprehensible than other people, than the other people in this room. And I do believe in the name of Jesus that today, I'm so excited, that lie can be gone forever forever. Keep passing real quick. Just throw them out. Throw them down there. Everybody grab one. Thank you guys so much for doing that. And we're actually in the middle of quite, of a, ho quite a holy time. So I pray that we are respectful of not getting in anybody's way as they try to listen to the Holy Spirit. Does everybody have one? You ready to go? So what I want you to do with this list, and it's truly just between you and the Lord, please, please pay only attention to you and what you're doing with the Lord right here. When you turn it over, there's going to be a checklist, and I want you to check things on that list that are true about you, and then when you are done, I want you to fold it straight down like this. Let's go ahead and do that now. So just fold it in half when you're done, top down, and then start passing it to the ends of your aisles. And the team's going to come and collect them.
just everyone, just keep passing to the ends of the aisles. Oh, I think some of you are twitching about your um, outline. So while we're passing those in, those of you who are like, what was that blank? <laughs> I love you. I feel you. God has just heard thy cry. And uh, so everyone on the planet is wounded. That's your one blank. And it says that's part of grief. Then the next blank is evil seeks to implant lies as part of destructive schemes against each child of God. And that's primarily based on the native language of evil, that he speaks nothing but lies. John 8, 44 tells us about that. But we can see it from the garden, that he lied, twisted truth. We can see it with Jesus, the temptation in the wilderness, that he lied, twisted truth. And then the next one is, since the garden, everyone is baited to feel shame. Okay, is everybody passers in? We good? Everybody got them? Yeah, keep passing them in. Wounded, hurt. Thank you. Everybody pass it in? Everybody, everyone's is gone? Over here. All right, as quick as you can, team. The team's going to mix them up, mix them up, and then everybody else, uh, go ahead and pass them out again. Everybody will have one. Please don't open it. Just hold it. And so, you know what happened after sin came into the garden? They'd been naked and unashamed. They immediately did what when their brokenness and their sin was in play? They covered themselves. Fig leaves. And we've been doing it ever since. And elsewhere, I talk a lot about masks and how we, are, we just wear so many different kinds of masks Fig leaves, if you will. So I want to, while we're collecting, while they're passing these back out and you're grabbing one, make sure you grab one. Um, I want to, together, let's, uh, let's talk about what are some common masks that people wear, what are some common fig leaves that people use to try to keep, you know, their brokenness from being seen. Go ahead. What are common masks? What are common fig leaves people use to keep their brokenness from being seen? A smile. Com uh, very much accompanied by the I have it all together mask. What else? What'd you say? Oh, comedy, the funny mask, for sure. For sure, that's a great mask. <laughs> right? Uh, somebody else said something? Yes, absolutely. How about busyness? You're so busy, nobody can ever hear your heart, see your heart, see what's going on there. Money, totally, totally. People hide behind money all the time. It's huge. What else? Silence. Aloof. Yeah, yeah. How many of you have seen or donned the aloof mask even for yourself? Desperado. That's right. That's your song, mister. You love that song. I like being that dude. <laughs> it's a mask. What, uh, what else? I'm in control. That's right. Never let them see you sweat. Always got everything together. I have it all together. And then I did a, a, the same conference that we talked about these lives from where there were a bunch of men and women. I asked them the most common mask and we turned it in. Do you know what the most common mask in the church is? Yeah, the super spiritual one is in play. Got a verse for everything. Let me just pray for you. Let me just be all about you. Let me just deflect and go back to you. <laughs> okay. Uh, but the most common mask in the church, do you know it? Exactly. I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. 
Fine. I'm good. Fine. Now, let's be clear. Masks and fig leaves are only in play when we use them as a way to hide and try to hide our brokenness. It doesn't mean that if you're funny, you're always masked off. You're always masking yourself. Does that make sense? Okay, in the, okay, so back to our exercise at hand. You know what we're doing, right? That our hurt, loss, betrayal, and difficulty, evil wants us to believe, is something we feel that other people just do not understand and that ours is somehow, our brokenness is somehow worse or greater or more reprehensible than others. In the name of Jesus, I pray this moment changes your life in that regard forever. I mean it. It's so exciting and so painful. So I want you to open your list that's in front of you. And when I read off the item on that list, if yours is checked, would you please stand up? Okay? I have lost a close relationship due to conflict. Look around the room. For every one of these, look around the room. Take in the numbers. Take it in. Thank you. Have a seat. I have been left out, passed over, or forgotten. Uh, uh. Do you see? Thank you. Have a seat. I have been physically, verbally, or emotionally hurt. Thank you. I have harmed or numbed myself to deal with emotional pain. Child of the Most High God. Workmanship and masterpiece of God. Do you see? Thank you. Have a seat. I have looked at illicit images. I have sexual struggles. Are you taking it in? Are you taking it in? Thank you. Have a seat. I have shared private information that a good friend asked me not to. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you. Have a seat. I have spoken poorly about a friend behind their back. Thank you. You can have a seat. I have a secret that I fear others knowing. Oh, my brothers and sisters, do you see? Thank you. I think I'm not satisfied with the way I look. Ah, you're a stunning display of the glory and majesty of God. Have a seat. I have binge eaten or eaten too little because of stress. Should we add the word today? <laughs> Thank you. Have a seat. I struggle with shame and guilt. 
oh, right? The one that has said the old is gone, the new has come. That there's no condemnation for you, that you are covered by the righteousness of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Right? Thank you. Have a seat. I'm afraid that if people knew blank about me, I would not be accepted. What's the percentage? Have a seat. I have excessive anxiety and I routinely obsess. Thank you. I compare myself to others regularly and judge myself as less. Second uh, Corinthians 10, 12 says that when they measure themselves with themselves and they compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. I'm so sorry. Thank you. And I often struggle to believe God really loves me, that I'm unlovable. Neither heights nor depth nor angels nor demons nor any, the past nor the future nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing. Thanks, you can have a seat. How does that impact you? How does that impact you? Sad? Because why? Not walking in the truth, not believing in the truth, not being pummeled by Satan, li listening to the wrong voice. Let's go, right there. Did you hear that? You can also see why people are so weary. It's every day. What is your personal takeaway from that time? Satan lies pretty well. What else? One more, go ahead and say what you're saying. There wasn't one category that had one person standing. There wasn't one category that had only 10 people standing. And yet, we live like, if they knew, if they, they don't struggle like I do. They're not as wrapped up in this way that I am. You understand that is the voice of hell. You are so not alone. Yes, yes, we are broken. There is no getting around that fact this side of heaven. But then have you seen my Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? This is what our lives are about. Yes, this is the, uh, for when I am weak, then he is strong, that we don't hide our weaknesses. Treasures and jars of clay, you get the whole thing? Which is like, we are supposed to like, yes, I am broken, but have you seen my Jesus? Have you seen my cover? Have you seen the one who has rescued me? Have you seen the one who has called me to his own heart and given me his own spirit? It's him, it's not this. This is a mess. And yet so often our society is like, no, social media, get your, you got to look good, you got to be good, you got to cover that mess, man, cover that mess. Can we live in the freedom of what God has shown us this very moment? You're so not alone. 
You understand that piece of paper that you hold is not just a piece of paper. She or he is right here. Right here in this room. She's here. He's here. I want you to pray for that person. And as you pray for that person, that the stronghold of shame would leave your life as well. That the stronghold of shame, yes, over your horrific indiscretion years ago. You think the cross didn't cover that? Are you with me? Like, we have got to once and for all appropriate the cross to even the darkest things that we believe are somehow more filled with shame and that we can never let anybody know. The cross of Christ was enough for that. It's enough for that. Enough for that. Yes. And today, today, you and I are going to run into something that we're going to hate about ourselves. We're going to hate about our choices. We're going to hate about brokenness. And that's when we go. But that's what the cross of Christ is for. It wasn't an 80% cross and you got to work really hard for the last 20%. It was 100%. It was 100%. That's why the cross is so wonderful. 100%. And what were you saying about their list? Exactly. Exactly. And this is what it is to see through eyes of faith right there that we begin to be more grace-filled towards others, and even more grace-filled, you have to preach the gospel to yourself every day. It's the weirdest thing. The longest people, the, excuse me, the longer people walk with the Lord, it seems like the further away from the truth of the gospel about our brokenness that we get, and the more almost we have to preach the cross of Christ to our own self. That somehow in cities we get to works pretty quickly. Thank you guys so much. That's a great, great time. And I thank you, Jesus, for that truth. Amen? And so that list might have been the person that sat next to you. If we could see each other through those eyes, wouldn't it change almost everything? Somehow it's kind of hard to be annoyed and irritated with somebody who's actually weeping in their spirit, who's actually just trying to take another breath, who's actually having a panic attack right now. Sorry. It's really hard to be irritated with that. Just because we can't see it on the outside does not mean that it's not happening. Some of the biggest, we'll just use men, some of the biggest men in this room, powerful, big, booming voice men, <laughs> they're dying inside right now. And it's so hard to see him that way, isn't it? But we have to see with the eyes of our heart, not with our physical eyes. This is where we started last night and where we remain. Can you see the opposition against him? Can you see the opposition against her? For me, sometimes it's helpful to be visual. And it's like, can you just see somebody literally whacking her on the head right now? Boom, 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 boom. Taking another, taking another. That's what's going on. Except when he or she can recognize and absolutely use the shield of truth. And that's why Ephesians 6 is such a critical passage in our life. This is how that battle doesn't make us weary. This is how the battle doesn't wear us down. This is how we stay in a place of eyes of grace, by the truth of Christ, by the shield that we have. All right, so seeing the opposition, that's O. Seeing heart, seeing the opposition, that everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Everyone in this room is wounded. Evil's pounding on every person here, their faith. 
looking to try to make them a person of not faith. This is why it's so critical and why the scriptures, so many of them, Acts 2, 42, and many other scriptures, talk about how, uh, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, talk about how critical it is that we stay together in community and keep speaking truth one to another. Don't stop encouraging one another. So, so I want you to spend the time answering these questions on your outline a little bit later, if you don't mind. How does it show up for you? Your shame. How, what, aspect of, what is the aspect of yourself that you most try to hide? Right? What's the fig leaf or mask that you use to try to hide it? And so this point, remembering that every person is assaulted by a pernicious enemy who wants to destroy his or her faith will help us too. Folks, this is where it gets practical. When we can see that each other is being assaulted by one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy their faith. It helps us to not personalize, that's your blank, things which are not personal. <laughs> His silence is most likely not about you. The fact that she never, you know, never lets it go when you leave the toilet seat up. Okay, that's about you, sorry. Um, let's see. Are you with me? The fact that so-and-so forgot to call you back. It's not about you and your value. It's about what he or she's going through. Most often. It helps us to not personalize things that are just not personal. So if, if, you, if you're having a conversation with somebody and you, and you think, why did he have that weird look on his face when he was talking to me? I did with one of my friends. Uh, we were talking about something, and he's a really good friend of mine. We're very close. And uh, he had a weird face when I was talking to him, so this is what I did. When in doubt, check it out. That's a tool you might need. And uh, I called him later, and I was like, Tim, I can't shake your face when I was talking to you. Did I say something offensive or whatever? He goes, uh, oh, no, my contact was going back in my eye. And so if I hadn't checked it out, I was starting to feel like, I'm so stupid. What did I say that was so stupid? Right? Totally not personal. <laughs> Okay, it helps us to encourage others consistently, encourage others consistently. If we stayed here all afternoon and just spent time encouraging one another and talking about the scriptures, about the power of encouragement, we would be here all day, right? Encourage others consistently and to our friend's point down here, give grace in abundance. So seeing the opposition another is facing is that evil is lying to him or her right now in an attempt to kill faith, hope, and love, that he or she bears scars, weaknesses, and reactions from having been wounded in life and that he or she is struggling with shame in some form or fashion. Isn't that awesome? Okay. So let's, do, let's have a real-time decision. We have three choices. The first one is we keep barreling through everything so we get through it all. That's one. The second one is we barrel through another 10 minutes so we can get to a stopping point that I had planned on, and we take a like five or less minute break and then come back in and finish it up. Or the third one is, no, dude, we break right now because I'm a little overwhelmed. Yes, you want three? <laughs> well, I wish you were a little more forthcoming with what you needed. Okay, so let's take a break, but can we make it super quick so we can make sure to get all the content in today? And some of you may just need to stay right where you are and continue processing with the Lord. Let's be back here in five minutes. Five minutes? Yeah!